Well, how is everybody doing today? So glad to see all of you. I'm anxious to uh, find out what the gift at the end of the rainbow is. Uh, talk to Jason about that. The gift at the end of the rainbow. Uh, we do have a gift if you're a, a, a guest today. You can go on your way out. Make sure you stop by the coffee bar and talk to them. Uh, okay, so we have a, a thing here that I want to talk to you guys about just for a minute before I jump into it today been talking about the floors and uh, we are now actively engaging in trying to raise the funds to get the floors replaced um, and I said last week everything that we do in a, a commercial building it just costs more um, and the, the carpet is not nearly as cheap or, or the floors because we're not going to go back with carpet but um, it's going to cost about $52,000 actually is, is the cost. And um, so we're trying to raise some money. Uh, the school, our school is going to help out some with that too. But uh, we're asking the congregation to help with that. So what I did was I had this QR code. Um, you can see behind me and they'll pop that up on the screen. I'm going to ask you guys, everybody's kind of familiar with QR codes now, right? Uh, you all have your, when you go anymore the QR code that you have to scan to get your menu. Same thing here. Um, you guys, I think all from your seats can scan that. And if you, if go ahead and do it now. I mean, don't do it during the message, but you can do it now while we're talking about this, you know. Um, scan that. See what it is, uh, is a pledge for the next three months. We're going to be uh, trying to raise some money and asking if you want to make a pledge, a donation of some sort. And uh, it's not asking you to give anything today necessarily. You can if you want, but that'll just walk you through the steps to, uh, to get there. So if you guys can leave that QR code for just a minutes up there and uh, that way some people can scan that if they want. Um, and you can work your way, see what the pledge is. That just gives us an idea of what you might be able to help with and then um, go from there, see what we can do. But it's, uh, we're anxious to do that, to get that done. You can tell if you've been walking around the floors, um, have, they've just reached their life expectancy um, probably by a couple of years and uh, we're gonna get those things taken care of. So uh, it's gonna be great and the floor that uh, we are going to be getting is, is gonna be a very, floor that can um, it's going to be nice to be able to play on or to be able to uh, clean and, and do everything that we need so anyway so uh, we're going to oh also by the way if you're at home watching and you're like I can't scan that you can go to our church's website and it's there as well so, uh, www.lantana.church super easy website there find your way to the giving page and uh, you can go through this too which I'm very proud by the way if you go to this I, I made the QR code can you believe it and uh, some of you are like yeah what big deal hey I was happy that I found a way to make the QR code for free uh, very important and then uh, I, I, I kind of did the thing on the website anyway yeah, humble brag right <laughs> all right hey let's uh, move on with this a bit um, I've been thinking a little bit about uh, about parenting you know found yourself asking a question when you're faced with a task that is so challenging you don't know where to start anybody ever found yourself it's like a, a task that's so challenging you just don't know where to start so whenever uh, Teresa and I when we first had kids um, we have a few years of experience now they're a little older I don't know if it's that they're easier or have experience I, I, I don't know but um, we having issues okay Sorry. My very own roadie. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for taking care of that. Uh, anyway, so 
I will uh, continue. Oh, talking about kids. So when we had our kids, um, one of the things that scared me the most was when Sarisa would go out of town uh, with kids. I wasn't scared about killing my kids. You know, they weren't old enough yet to do anything that made you want to do that, first of all. But, um, you know, I could change their diapers. I could make sure that they were fed. Like, those, those weren't big things, at least not after I got the hang of that for a little bit. But for them to go out of town, and I'll tell you, um, she, and she was working when they were born, and, and or right after they were born, she, she had a job. And, and so I had, before Kate, and we had the two girls. And um, first of all, I, what does a guy do with girls anyway? I was like, oh my goodness, what am I supposed to do with these little girls? And they're so cute, and they're like one and three, and then two and four. And she would go out of town and, and leave me to take care of them. And so I had to like, you know, get up in the morning, and now it's not just change the diaper, make sure they have food, you gotta do hair, and you've gotta do, uh, you know, whatever different things that you have to do to the, get them dressed, and just take care of all the stuff. And uh, man, I, I really used to freak me out. I was scared about that. And I've said before, before I had kids, no kids liked me. Like kids would see me and they would cry. I don't know what it was. I was a youth pastor, teenagers liked me okay, but kids, not so much, the little kids. So um, anyway, fast forward a little bit and, and we kind of got the hang of that and I, I kind of figured out what was going on. But, um, you know, speaking of kids, they say that 90% of parenting is telling the kids that uh, b between eight and nine that it's bedtime about 150 times. Um, that's 90% of parenting or informing them about how many minutes of something they have left. You guys find yourself there? How many minutes do I have left? How many minutes? And then if you're like Caden, uh, who's our nine-year-old now, um, he won't ask anymore how many minutes he has. He's hoping that we forget how many minutes we told him he had and he'll be able to just play right on past those minutes. But um, we have to catch him on that. Um, one of my kids asked if they were adopted and uh, I said, not yet, but we do have an ad out. So <laughs> some of you are catching that, right? Um, really, we did have a kid ask about being adopted. So um, I found that having kids is a lot like living in a frat house, if uh, that makes any sense to you guys. Uh, nobody sleeps. Everything's always broken, and it's always a mess. You know, it feels like we're living in a frat house. Um, and my favorite time of day is when the kids um, go to school. No, I'm kidding. That's not true. It's, it's when they go to bed. <laughs> So, so some of you are getting it. You're like, wait, when do they get to go to bed again? And I found that in this area especially, now, when our kids were little, where we lived, it wasn't, this wasn't the case. Kids, I don't think, had bedtimes. But over here, parents are like, we're putting our kids down really early. And I used to think, like, do they care about their kids more than me? And now I think it's not that. It's that uh, they care about alone time um, a lot. Because, you know, you push, we're going to put our kids to bed at like 6 and then good luck, lock the door, you guys go to sleep in there. No, I'm kidding, it's not that bad. But it is that they put, put them to bed early um, around here. And different places do different ways. But anyway, uh, the, the point of all that is parenting is difficult. Sometimes when you don't know what you're doing, it gets to be a challenge. Um, having a little knowledge about knowing where to start is a big help. You know, if you know a little bit, it really helps you out. I knew a guy who had, he would do his taxes and he would do his own taxes. He insisted on doing his own taxes. He was a, an entrepreneur, a business guy. And every year he would almost make himself sick worrying about his taxes. He worried so much 
because he just didn't know anything about taxes. He had some, some technical knowledge and, and he ran his business well, but he just didn't know taxes. And I, he just never would have somebody else do them. He had a sixth grade education, but he was a good businessman, if you've ever met anybody like that. And so um, it's just interesting. He, he just didn't know where to start, so he didn't have the information on that. When we undertake something new, it's going to affect us in different ways, and it all depends on how much we understand. If, I, if somebody were to ask me to do something on... Uh, which I get this all the time. My parents, as they get older, they call me all the time. Hey, Cal, help me with this app. I don't understand my phone. Anybody get that? Um, my, did, did you turn it off and back on? Let's start there. Um, reboot, that's uh, number one thing. But they're you know, asking questions. I don't have a problem with that. Like I can navigate around a computer, around a, a phone pretty easy, but that's kind of because I have an understanding. So the whole point is it brings us into what we're gonna talk about today having some knowledge makes a huge difference in what we're doing. And so that's what Jesus is doing for us today in the message on the Sermon on the Mount. And he, Jesus talks about prayer. And as we get into it, by the way, if you download the church app or go to the, the notes for today's message are on the church app, so you can find your way there. Um, in talking about prayer, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I still kind of feel like a kindergartner when it comes to prayer. Does anybody else feel that way? I mean, I, I feel less, I guess before I felt like a preschooler. Now at least I feel like a kindergartner. I, I have some experience, some knowledge, but still, I get around some people and they begin to pray and I think, oh my word, I don't know anything about prayer. I know nothing about it. I, what am I, how, where am I at? What, you know, and, and I begin to feel lost about it. Um, I got to tell you that I don't draw back from prayer though. I want to dive headlong into it. I want to be invested in prayer. I know that it's in, in that prayer that we have a relationship with Jesus. And so I'm excited about that. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives us the most fundamental, the most important aspects of prayer and what it is. That's what we're going to talk about. We all want our prayers to count, right? And we all want to be able to pray effectively. These are essentials. These are basics for being a follower of Jesus, for being a Christian. And, and Jesus starts this way in Matthew 6, 5. When you pray, that's how he leads it. When you pray, this is how he begins. What should I do when I, when I pray? What do I keep in my mind? What kind of words should I speak? What should my attitude be? So we're going to go into that. In this summer of the sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, and we last week reached our halfway point. So now we're on the other side of that. We'll keep going each week. But um, I'm excited about this one today. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to start with verse, verse 5. And when you pray, he says, do not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners and seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. You remember last week? If you were here last week, if not, you can go back and listen on the, the podcast or the, um, the messages online or on the app. But last week we talked about um, giving our, our money, giving our stuff. And um, Jesus said, don't be a hypocrite. And that word is, uh, comes from the Greek hypocrita, which means to be something, to pretend to be something that you're not. And, and that's all in last week's message. But um, so he's saying this follows that. This, he's just told him, don't be a hypocrite when you give. And then he says again, so, so don't be a hypocrite when you pray. 
Don't pretend to be something you're not. Jesus is saying the same thing he did when talking about giving to the needy. We want to be who we are. And the point he's making is when people pray in this way, their motive is sincere. He's talking about be sincere, don't be a hypocrite. You see, they're missing the most important aspect, the most essential dynamic of prayer, which is a conversation with God. Uh, when, I was, when I was just a young guy, I can remember there was a particularly uh, um, holy gentleman. Um, I can say his name because he really was holy. Brother Campbell. We call him Brother Campbell. I don't even remember. I don't know his first name. Brother is what we thought it was. So anyway, Brother Campbell, he used to, he used to pray. And, and when that guy would pray, like he would use words that just sounded like he was touching the hem of God. You know what I mean? Like he would, he would say things and he would, um, his spirit was just, and I used to think, I don't, like I can't compare to this. I can't pray like this. Cal, do you want to pray? No. No, I don't want to pray in public because there's no way I'm going to sound like this guy, you know. And I, I, I don't know um, that I'll ever be like that. But that's not what's important about prayer. You see, that's who Jesus is addressing here. He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites who have that kind of prayer. He was not one. He was a great guy who could pray awesome and a fantastic Christian uh, brother who's in heaven today. But there are people, and you've probably met them, who they pray and they use these big words and they say all these things and you don't know what they even said and it's very intimidating. That's what they were dealing with here. And this comes on the heels of blow your horn. Remember we talked about that last week. Don't toot your own horn. Don't blow your horn. Which they would blow the horn in front of the synagogue when, they, when it was time to come worship and then they would start putting their uh, money in the money box so everybody could see them. It was the same thing about the prayer. So after the horn blew and they were putting their, their money, they would stand there and they would pray and they would pray out loud and everybody would come by and say, oh, look how they're good Christian men. At that time when a Christian, they love, they love God. That's what they would say. They really love God. Man, they, look how good they pray. They're great prayers. Like, I'm not sure that that's, uh, that that's what God wants from us, to be a great prayer. He doesn't care the kind of words we use. What he wants is a relationship with us that begins with a conversation. So whenever I talk to somebody about praying, that's what I tell them to imagine. It's not that you have to use all these big words and people will get intimidated. They don't want to pray in front of other people because they can't pray like that. But that's not what God wants. He wants your heart. Jesus just wants a conversation with you. And that's exactly what prayer is. And he has strong words for hypocrites. In Matthew 15, he says, um, he tells the, the Pharisees, and I don't know if you remember this story, but they got upset with the disciples for not washing their hands before they ate. It was more than that. It was a ceremonial hand washing. But still, they didn't wash their hands before they ate. And the Pharisees got very upset with Jesus. And they said, your disciples aren't even washing, their, doing the ceremonial cleansing. And Jesus said this, you hypocrites. He calls the Pharisees this. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teaching are but rules taught by men. In other words, they have no relationship with God. They just speak well. That's it. Hypocrisy is something we all face, though. 
And you guys have all looked at somebody and probably thought about them, man, they're a hypocrite. Man, they're a hypocrite. Because the minute we proclaim Jesus, people begin to apply that standard to our lives. We all need to understand, this is a safe place in the church. If we make a mistake, then that's exactly what it is. It's a mistake. Jesus, forgive me for that mistake. I've already repented of my, of my former life. I've turned my, and I'm going to make a mistake. So Jesus, forgive me for that mistake. That doesn't mean that you are a hypocrite. That just means you made a mistake. Now, we've applied this to some people, and, and everybody's going to apply it to us. God knows our heart. But if some, you know, this, this can be, start fights, so you have to be very careful how you deal with it. But if this is what Jesus is warning about. You know, I've also known people who have flaunted their sin. You ever know somebody like that? Flaunted their sin because they don't want to be a hypocrite. Like, it, that would be easy. For those of us who say we follow Jesus and, and there's this kind of a different standard applied to us and, I mean, we pray and God help me to live the right life and, and we know that at some point we're going to make a mistake. Somebody's going to think that. Well, the other extreme is just to say, forget it. I'll live however I want to live. I'll do whatever I want to do. You guys might have met somebody like that. But I, don't think, I don't think that's right either. That's jumping from the frying pan into the fire. That's going from one extreme to the other. God wants us to put away our sin and to give him our hearts and to serve him well. That's what he wants. When we make a mistake, we just call out to him and say, forgive me. And then we move on. It doesn't mean we won't have struggles. There's a lot of difference between somebody trying to do the right thing and having some difficulties and the person who resolutely chooses to do the wrong thing. Make no mistake about that. The thing is, Failure doesn't make you a hypocrite. That's not what makes you a hypocrite. Pretense and insincerity is what makes you a hypocrite. If your heart's right, and this is the thing, we have to be careful to judge other people's hearts because we don't know their hearts. God knows their hearts. God knows your heart. So check yourself. But if you're living right, then you're fine. Then you're good. All right, so what's the purpose? Matthew, uh, the key to Matthew 6, 5 is the purpose, their, their, their reason that they are praying like that. Because they want to be seen by men, right? That's what it says. And then there's this perception that maybe we shouldn't pray in public. I want to make sure that's not what's going on here. It all comes down to your heart. What's going on in your heart? All right, the bottom line is this. Be real be sincere and come to God. That's it. I can see we're ahead on the notes, so let's jump to the next one. This is the second point. All right, Matthew 6, 6 through 8. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Be sincere and build a relationship. That's what He's looking for here. Be sincere, build a relationship. Jesus says we should go to our room. 
go by ourselves, a place that's unseen by others, it's there that we activate our relationship with God. That relationship with God is not going to be activated unless you spend your time with Him. If all of your time is spent praying publicly, which is okay to do, to pray publicly, but if that's all you do, then you're not activating your relationship with God. Being in public, being together, being a community in Christ, that is something that is important in our relationship. But it starts with that relationship with Him, that quiet time, that alone time, that private time. When Cerise and I first started dating, I didn't really like going to the movies with her. <laughs> now, I, I would like to be in public with her because she's pretty and I would be like, hey, look how pretty my girlfriend is. It's prettier than your girlfriend. <laughs> but we would, we, I wanted to spend time with her. Now, I know that she didn't like going to the movies with me because she said I was too loud. Um, she said I laughed too loud and I talked too loud and I, whatever. But what I wanted to do was spend time with her and talk to her. I wanted to find out what her likes were. I wanted to find out who her heroes were. I wanted to find out what motivated her. You know, I wanted to get to know her. And if we're sitting in a place that is public, that we can't do that together, that everybody's, and including our attention, is focused on a, you know, on a movie or a TV show or whatever, which that's okay. I, I want to spend time with her no matter what. But I, at that time especially, I just wanted to get to know her. So we love to do things like to go bowling. We're talking the whole time. To go play uh, miniature golf. We're talking all the time while we're playing the miniature golf. To go to the park. To go like we just wanted to spend time to talk together, to get to know each other. And it was those late night conversations, you know, the ones that go till 12 or 1 or 2 in the morning where we're getting to know each other and getting to know um, how each other feels and what we like and what we don't like and, and those kind of things. I love that. That's what God is looking for from us. He wants us to spend that time, that quiet time, that private time, just you and Him, to build that relationship. And, that's, and prayer is as simple as talking to God. Just talking to God. And then he talks about uh, babbling. I always thought that was curious. Do you guys think that curious babbling? Don't babble like the pagans. Um, the pagans of the day had a habit of heaping names on, on God or gods, who they thought the gods were. Their idea was, if, if I say enough of the names, then the one that I'm praying to will hear the name. I have to say enough of them. You know, like for us, we know that our God is God, right? We don't have to call a bunch of names. But for them, they did like there could be a, a bunch of gods, a multitude of gods. So they would say all the names. They were babbling, hoping that the correct name would hear them and hear their prayer. Very interesting, right? Jesus is essentially saying, don't babble like this. Build a relationship with God, know who He is, and talk to Him. And by the way, when you talk to Him, He's going to talk back. That's the difference between our God and everybody else. And it, I don't want to get into this right now, but it takes time to learn to hear the voice of God. It takes time to learn to tune your heart, your soul to hear Him. That's the truth. 
We, we've been talking with our kids about what does it mean to hear God? How do you hear him? In what ways does he speak to you? And there's a multitude of ways. He can, he can speak to you through somebody else. He can speak to you through the scripture. He can speak to you directly to your heart. You can hear him. Um, hear him in your, like in your mind's eye, if you will. He can speak to you audibly. I have not had that privilege myself, but I know people who have. Like God can speak to you in a multitude of different ways. We just need to be listening. But the point is this. Don't be babbling. Listen, you're not going to somehow manipulate God by saying just the right words in just the right order or saying so many words that he finally wears down and gives you what you want. Think, this is funny, just popped in my mind. Think about your, if you have kids or no kids or grandkids or whatever. My kids, man, they will wear you down. You know what I mean? Eventually you're like, fine, whatever you want. God doesn't do that. God is not going to be wore down. You can't manipulate him. He is who he is. He has said what he said. He has a plan for you that doesn't change. Prayer is about your relationship with him. And prayer is not us informing God what we need. He already knows. We act like that. Like, God, don't you see what's going on down here? Don't you see what's, can you not hear me? Do you not, f sure, okay, well, if you, j probably you're busy. Let me tell you what's happening. Here's what's going on. I mean, he knows. God knows. The thing is, I feel like sometimes, and I do this, I just go about living my life. Like I'm going down this path. And, and I've done it before. Even God set me on a path. I feel like I'm in a, in a righteous path. I'm doing what he's asked me to do. But I forget to check with him. You know what I mean? He says, Cal, go this way. Cool. Here we go. Going that way. And I'm doing my own thing, and then things get stressful, and I'm like, why is this so stressful? God, what's going on? And they'll say, man, like way back there, you were supposed to check in with me because I had a, was going to kind of take you. Oh, I see. We've got we've to continually keep that relationship with him. We've got to be talking to him, and we've got to be listening to him. And then here's the last one. Uh, in verses 9 through 15, this then is how you should pray. And we all know this one, right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, but also, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others of their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Now I should clarify that this was in the NIV. Some of you were expecting, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Um, just a side note, they actually found they don't think that that little sentence was in the original. Well, it isn't in the oldest manuscripts somewhere along the way that perhaps that was added. But when I say it, I still say that, uh, that prayer. But deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, because that's good, right? All right, so he tells us, when we do it, do it like this. When you pray, this is how you pray. All right, so it can be broken down into two different categories. Um, the first two are about God, and the last three are about us. The first two parts are about God, the last three are about us. All right, so first, um, what are you thinking about when you come to God? Like, what's on your mind? It's a valid part of prayer, but it's not the first priority. And a lot of times when we talk to God, um, and maybe we haven't talked to him for a while, we just jump in and say, okay, God, here's what I'm thinking. 
Like, here's what's on my mind. I need to tell you everything. But that's, that's, not what, uh, that's not what he wants. We start off with our Father. It's amazing how those two little words, those two little words have so much truth in them. The perspective to our lives that those two little words can bring. There may not be money to pay the rent. There may be health problems. There may be relationship problems. But by the grace of God, we can reach out to our Father. By the grace of God, we can reach out and touch Him by simply saying, our Father. Lives have been changed just by those two words, our Father. Rooms, atmospheres have been entirely transformed only by those two words. I've experienced it. Our Father, whoosh. It's like the air gets sucked out of the room and immediately the presence of the Spirit is with you and active and among you. Our Father, powerful. It's a relationship with God that gives us a boldness to approach Him and to say, Our Father. We need to cry to Him, Holy, Holy, Holy. And I want to read to you, makes it harder with this mic in my hand. Hold on, let me get there. Revelation chapter 4, okay? Our Sunday school class has been going through Revelation, by the way. It's been cool. But when, I, when, when we say, Holy, 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 when we say holy, 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 are we taking it seriously? Who is it that you're praying to? That's what I want to ask. Who is it when you say our Father, who do you imagine in your mind? Let me tell you the, script, the way that is painted in the scripture. Revelation chapter 4. This is John when he wrote this. At once, he says, I was in the spirit and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. A rainbow resembling emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. And seated on them were 24 elders. I'm going to stop right there. Do you understand what's happening? The picture that's being painted. Just the, the royalty that is surrounding who John, who, God who John is seeing right now. All right, verse 5. From the throne, God's throne, came flashes of lightning, rumblings, and peals of thunder. Before the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, as clear as crystal. When you imagine God, is this what you imagine? Is this who you see? Somebody sitting on a throne, a great being from which light is emitting, surrounded by uh, other royalty. Sitting on a throne in the middle, and from that throne is lightning and thunder and a sea of glass as clear as crystal. Like that should humble us when we approach God. All of a sudden, that we were charged the wrong price at Sonic shouldn't be our main concern. Right? Because we do that. We're like, oh God, can you believe they charged me quarter more than they should have for my Route 44 Sonic drink? I just can't even. And there's God, surrounded by this sea of glass and surrounded by royalty and lightning and thunder. Do you think he cares what parking spot 
you got? I mean, I'm sure he cares because he loves you, but I don't think he's maneuvering cars so that you can have the front row parking. But he loves you, and if you're happy, he's happy. God, thank you for this spot, you know? Like, I've done that. That's when, when we say, when he says, hallowed be holy, is what he's saying. God, you are holy. And who are you? Revelation 4. If you ever look in, just go there. Revelation 4. Remember that. All right, let's keep going. I'm almost done. Thy kingdom gun, uh, come. We're being submissive here. It's not my will, but yours. God, your kingdom. We want, it's two parts. First, God, we want your kingdom to come quickly. There's so much suffering and pain and heartache on this earth. You can fix that, so come quickly first. Second, God, let what goes on up there, let it happen down here. Your kingdom, God, let it come down here. Give us this day. God, provide for us. Provide for us. Forgive us talking about wrongs against God and, and we're asking him to pardon us for those wrongs. The catch on that is we must forgive others. If you want to be forgiven, you have to forgive others. I've heard people say, I, I just don't know if I can forgive. God's up in heaven crying and saying, you have to. I want to forgive you. You have to forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Protect us. Keep us safe. And he goes into a part about fasting. We're not going to have time to, to get into it. But when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do. For they, again, hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's not about the fast. This is what I'm going to say about that. It's not about the fast. It's about what's in your heart. People who are fasting, and, and you maybe have met somebody like this, and they come and they, man, I'm so hungry. Uh, if they're fasting food, I just can't, oh, I'm so hungry. Oh, I'm, I just, I'm fasting. I didn't eat breakfast this morning. I'm fasting. It's a spiritual fast. I'm so hungry. Don't you think I'm so good? I'm a good, I'm hungry. <laughs> Right? I've talked to people like that. Don't go tell everybody you're fasting. This is between you and God, man. It's, and, and whatever you choose to fast, and fasting would take a whole message worth of teaching, but you can fast whatever. It's just giving something up that you have that's important in your life so that you can put God in its place. And then if it's food, which obviously for me food is very important, <laughs> If I'm fasting food, every time I get hungry, I pray. I think, man, a butterfinger sounds good right now. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> help me. Help me not to want a butterfinger. No. <laughs> but I, I will say, help, you know, whatever it is I'm fasting about, it reminds me. Every hunger pain reminds me, pray. God, help me with this. God, help me with this. So these are some of Jesus' instructions about prayer. Prayer is one of the ways that we touch Jesus. It's one of the ways that we let Jesus touch us. It's one of the ways that we let Jesus change our lives. Prayer is a spiritual discipline that we take far too lightly. Perhaps the most important spiritual discipline. Because without it, we have no relationship with Christ. If you're going to grow in your faith, 
If you're going to grow closer to God and, and grow closer to Jesus, then you have to pray. When we come to that place, when we've surrendered ourselves to God, then we're ready to petition God, to ask for things, to, to, to have God listen to us and, and it be effective. I was over to Christ. To submit to his will, to, to serve him. But it's easy in time to take all of that back. Sometimes we take it back or areas that we've given him, we take them back into our own hands. These are areas that become problems for us. Here's the thing about prayer, and this is how we're gonna end. Here's the thing about prayer. It's at these points that we need to learn to surrender to God because we have victory over those things through God, through Jesus. He has given us victory. Jesus died on the cross, and, and we were reading on Wednesday night the prayer. If you didn't see that one, go back and listen to the first little bit. In, in Romans, Paul is explaining what it is. When we died, when Jesus died on the cross, and we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to repent and ask him to forgive us for our sins and, and to live within us, when we choose Jesus, then that spiritual nature that causes us to sin, that sinful nature, it dies with him. Right? So Jesus died. The spiritual nature, when we choose Jesus, it dies with him. But the good news is, and this is what's awesome, Jesus was raised from the dead. And this is how Paul explains it. So then we have been raised from the dead in a new nature, a Christ nature, the imago Dei. It's in us. The image of Christ begins to be restored in us and we are set free from the sin. We died and we, we need to leave it in the grave. And we have victory in Jesus. He has given us victory by his death. It's an incredibly eloquent way that Paul explains it. It's in Romans, I think six or five or six, seven in there. Man, go and read it. Romans is amazing. And it hit me different this last week. I've read it for the hundredth time, but Jesus died on the cross. That's neat. My sin was crucified with him. It is also dead when I asked Jesus to forgive me. But praise be to God, he didn't stay dead. He was raised to life. And when he was raised to life, I was also raised to life with him, set free from the sin that I'm leaving in the grave. So if you want victory today, it starts with prayer. So I'm going to ask you guys to stand. And um, we're going to pray about this. We're going to pray for God to give us victory. We're going to follow the way he told us to pray. And just imagine this. And, and you know what? Then we're going to close with one of my all-time favorite songs about having victory in Jesus. So. Let's start out here. Just imagine God and how holy He is. The, the Revelation 4 that we read that gives us the image. Read, think about that for just a minute. Who is He? Holy are you, God. 
God, we ask that what happens in heaven, that it happens here. Holy Spirit, we need you present and active in our lives so that we can take your kingdom with us everywhere that we go. God, we want your will to be done in our lives. We thank you, God, for providing for us. You provide for us. We're grateful. Now, God, as we continue to move in you, we want to give you all of ourselves. We ask that you would forgive us for whatever sins. And, and God, I recognize today that probably most people here have repented, meaning they have turned away from the sin in their lives. But also I know that it's possible that, pe that some of us have made poor decisions. And we need you to forgive us for those decisions and to set us free once again. Thankful that when you died, Jesus, my sin died with you. And now that you have been raised again, you have set me free. So this morning, if any one of you would like to come and kneel at the altar and pray, I just take that moment. Nothing sacred about the altar per se. It's just, uh, it's a place where many, many people have met Jesus before. Again, it's what's in your heart. you would give us victory. Forgive us and lead us. Protect us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're not going to sing it quite yet. But I just want to give a minute. Let the Holy Spirit just settle in. We don't do this very often on a Sunday morning. If you're a guest here, all we're doing now is just, it's called practicing His presence. Just allow the Spirit to settle on you. Invite Him this morning. Holy Spirit, do a work in my soul. Maybe you want to pray about something specific. Give me victory over that thing. I pray, Holy Spirit, give me victory. Give me victory. This morning, God, I want to say thank you for the victory you have given in our lives. I do believe that across this room this morning and those who are watching at home, some have prayed through and received a victory by your presence, Holy Spirit, by Jesus in your life. So God, I pray you would help us as we leave from this place to hold on to that victory. Holy Spirit, that you would become ever more real to us. Walk with us day by day, I pray.